Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 129. I'm Daniel Shaw, and I'm here with a friend of mine, Brandon Light. How you doing, Brandon? Good, Daniel. How are you? Uh, I'm not bad. Doing really good. I'm in Alliance, Ohio, at Alliance Police Training right now, and it's definitely the coolest place I've ever had my RV parked. I mean, I, I consider it my home. So my front yard, I've got no less than 300 pieces of steel, a 200-yard range, a 50-yard pistol range. Uh, behind me is a shoot house, um, classroom. There's a breaching course that I'm in that's going to start tomorrow. Uh, I could go on and on about how awesome my life is today, but I'm not going to do that. I don't know. If they built some apartments on site, we could just like move in. I'm considering going to the police academy here in a few months. I, I don't think it's going to be too bad if I park right here and I stay here for a few months. That would be yeah. – th- this is this is like the Disneyland of firearms training. It is awesome. And you gotta love that. It is is a really really cool place, and I, I can't believe they said, "Yeah, park it right here. This will be cool." Like, uh, it it blew my mind. So, Brandon and I worked together for years at Thunderbird Farms Academy, and uh, Brandon is the director of retail operations and corporate buyer for Thunderbird Farms Academy. Is that is that the right title? You left out janitor. Janitor. Okay. So Brandon is one of the guys that I know that is very, very knowledgeable and stays up on current ATF policy and knows a lot about the National Firearms Act and uh, handles a lot of, they do a lot of sales, a lot of NFA item sales and suppressor sales. And there's all things that fall under NFA uh, at Thunderbird Firearms Academy. So I asked him to come on and educate the people because I get a lot of questions about, you know, if I put up a picture with a suppressor or a short barrel rifle, I'm getting questions and emails and Facebook comments and Facebook messages about, hey, how do you get that, this and that, or like, I was going to get one, but it's just too hard. So uh, Brandon's going to explain all that stuff to us. So we're going to get right into that here in just a second, right after we hear from Primary Weapon Systems. Primary Weapon Systems, or PWS, is a state-of-the-art machine shop in Boise, Idaho. PWS makes almost all their rifle components in-house, and the parts they don't make, they acquire from the highest quality manufacturers in the United States. The Mod 2 Series rifles from PWS are some of the most feature-rich ARs on the market. One of those features is the Mod 2 Enhanced Buffer Tube which has a ratchet lock design that eliminates the need for staking while providing a solid lockup with the ability to remove it easily in the future. Go take a look at primaryweapons.com. Primary Weapon Systems. Because it's time. All right, welcome back. So, Brandon, first question. (laughs) What is the NFA? So, the National Firearms Act of 1934. First, let me put it into perspective for you. What's going on in 1934? Well, Machine Gun Kelly... Bonnie Pretty Clyde. Boy Floyd. Exactly. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre was just a few years before, like five years before. Uh, gangster violence. Public enemy number one. All these terms get invented and, you know, it's bad and it's a national epidemic. I'm doing quotey fingers, but you don't know that. Um, and something has to be done about it. So Congress, in its infinite wisdom, uh, decides that they can't ban all these certain types of guns that are being used. Machine guns are the obvious one, but Clyde Barrow, Bonnie and Clyde, had a, had a propensity to you know chop down barrels on guns, make them easier to hide when he was robbing banks. So Congress decides that these machine guns and these short-barreled rifles and these short-barreled shotguns and all these other guns that are just part of this violent wave of ep- epidemic of violence, they can't ban them because they know the Second Amendment won't let them ban them. So instead, they use Congress's power to tax, and they put a tax on these items that is so high that no regular person can typically afford to pay it. 
Um, and that tax was then and is today $200. Now, to put that in perspective, uh, you could walk into Sears Roebuck in downtown Chicago and buy a Thompson submachine gun for probably not more than $65. So to pay a $200 tax on a $65 gun, or much less in some cases, uh, was a de facto ban. And that was kind of the goal, was to was to keep these things off the, uh, off the street. But if you did get one, you did want one, required registration, then with the Department of the Treasury, now with ATF. Um, and again, the sole goal was to track when these things cross state lines in case they were getting used in bank robberies and things like that. So uh, the NFA was was a lot bigger burden then than it is today. Uh, you know, costs have gone up and, and things get produced a little bit differently. Um, surely most NFA items are over 200 bucks. So the tax becomes a little bit more bearable. I won't say reasonable, I'll say bearable. Um but that's that's the NFA in a nutshell. It's uh, it's tax code, and it, it forces registration of the of these select items because they wanted to ban them and they couldn't. So that's the NFA, and you mentioned a few things in there: the short barrel rifle, uh, how, how Clyde liked to to cut his barrels down. So we could go into detail about the the stupidness of some of this. You know, if I really wanted to commit a crime, or you know, or how we're regulating just the good guys, and, and you know, but that's not what we're here for. We're not here to preach to the choir. I'm here to, to educate people on NFA items so they can go buy them. So whenever someone says a short-barreled rifle or an SBR, what does that mean? So an SBR is a firearm with a rifled barrel designed to be fired from the shoulder with a barrel less than 16 inches long or an overall length less than 26 inches that's the cookie cutter law definition of what a short barreled rifle is okay and a short barrel shotgun short barrel shotgun is a smooth bore designed to fire shells that produce shot or single projectiles but it's got to be a smooth bore with a barrel less than 18 inches or an overall length less than 26 inches so very very similar just a difference in the barrel length there 16 for the rifles 18 for the shotguns so when somebody buys a 14 and a half inch barrel upper and they put a muzzle device on there and they permanently attach it and it takes the gun all the way out to 16 inches they're fine as long as that muzzle device is permanently attached right that's exactly right so even if you bought an 11 and a half inch barrel um, and put on a five and a half inch or, you know, just slightly over to make sure you're compliant, you know, you know, close to six inch, uh, you know, flash hider on there. Uh, as long as it's permanently attached, which is typically done by a, a pin and a weld over the pin to, to keep it from coming off with a simple hand tool, uh, it counts. It's uh, it all counts as barrel length once it's permanently attached. Awesome. So uh, the other thing that people don't know hardly anything about that I run into anyway, you know, and I didn't know much about this until a couple of years ago, but there's another category, the any other weapon. Yeah, so the any other weapon, AOW is what it's commonly called. It's uh, That's the funny one. That's the catch-all. That was the we don't know what guns are going to turn into down the road, and there's all sorts of weird little pin guns, cane guns, you know, the little zip guns out there. Um, we want to regulate those two just in case. Um, so AOW is a catch-all category um, for basically anything that doesn't conform to normal firearm standards. Um, now, AOW is a little, little different than the rest. Um, because when you buy an AOW, that transfer tax is only $5. It's not that $200 tax. Um, you can build an AOW and still have to pay the $200 tax. Um, 
but buying it, it's only $5. So it seems more attractive, but it's still a lot less common. You don't see as many AOWs out there as you do the rest of the NFA stuff. And one of the most commonly sold out there are possessed uh, in the NFA or the, fall, the items that fall under the NFA is a suppressor. Uh, so what, what is that? What what constitutes a suppressor? We see like fake shrouds and things like that over barrels. People have these things that don't look like them, but they wanted to add more length to the gun. But, you know, what is a suppressor? What does it do? So a suppressor is any portable device that attaches to a firearm or is used in any way that it silences the report of the firearm. Um, so you know, we think about, you know, suppressors as we see them on, you know, you, you probably see them on Instagram and YouTube and whatnot or in real life. Um, you know, some people see them like they see them in the movies where they're super ninja assassin quiet. But it's anything that makes the gun quieter than it normally would be without it. Um, so under that wording, a pillow, a phone book, a potato, if you use it as a silencer, it is a silencer. I'm saying silencer because that's the way the law is written. The um Maxim, when he, you know, Hiram Percy Maxim, when he came up with the, with the patent for it, called it a silencer. Suppressors, the more, the more notable term, but the law refers to it as a silencer. Um, but it could be anything. Most of the time, we're talking about, you know, some kind of tube uh, with some kind of baffle system made from a number of different materials. You know, stainless steel, titanium, your nickel alloy, stellite, ink and L, stuff like that. That's designed for. High volume use. That's designed to, you know, repeatedly quiet the shots on a on a gun. These all sound like exciting things that I need to have in my safe, right? That's like, that's what the mm-hmm. listeners are thinking. That's what I'm thinking anyway. Uh, we're gonna take yeah. a quick break, and we're gonna tell you how to get those things in your safe. How the, at least cover the common methods for obtaining an NFA item. And it got a little bit more difficult here recently, but it's still not, you know, the biggest problem to go get one if you if you want an NFA item. So we'll be right back. In the 1911 world, there's Nighthawk Custom, and then there's everyone else. Nighthawk Custom makes the highest in quality 1911, under the motto, One Gun, One Gunsmith. Each 1911 is handmade with each part fitted by one gunsmith from start to finish. Nighthawk Custom is giving away one of their custom 1911s every 90 days this year. All you need to do to register is visit www.nighthawkcustom.com forward slash gunfightercast and sign up. Brandon, what are the common methods for obtaining an NFA item? So the easiest way to buy an NFA item is to purchase one from your locally licensed dealer. Um, it's not that dissimilar from purchasing a regular firearm. There are just some extra steps. You know, it's uh, it's kind of like what you alluded to earlier. It's um, it seems a lot more daunting than it is. It's not that uh, it's not that complicated, especially if you have a good dealer that can walk you through. That's what I was going to say. How the process a, works. If you've got a good dealer that, that knows how to do it and they provide a lot of those steps and make it make it easy for you, uh, this, you could walk in and and have pretty much everything done in a very short amount of time. And maybe you have to go do something somewhere else and then bring it back. But uh, within a couple of hours, you're you've done everything you need to do. You know, even search for the item that you want to buy. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, it's really uh, like, a, you know, it's it's gotten a little harder and we'll, we'll touch on that here in a second. But it's uh, it's really just a, a series of steps. And at the end of the day, it's 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 a couple of forms, you know, that are front and back and and a couple extra steps. So so purchasing is the uh, is by far the easiest way. But there are plenty of guys out there that make their own stuff, too, um, just like you can build 
a regular firearm for your own personal use, um, you could build an NFA item uh, with the exception of machine guns because there's no new ones of those since May 19th, 1986. Um, So you can't build your own machine gun, but you can build any other NFA item that you want to build as long as you have the the resources and the talent and the know-how. it's again, except for maybe building a suppressor, if you gotta have a CNC machine or something like that, it's not that hard to do. Let's let's say I want to go into Thunderbird Firearms Academy and I want that new Maxim Nine from Silencer Code because I really do, and that's the one I want. What do I do next? So once you've made the decision on what you're going to purchase, um, we'll have you fill out a form here in the store that just kind of gives us the information that we need to prepare your paperwork. But we're going to prepare an ATF Form 4 for you. That is the application to transfer the registration of an NFA item from a registered party, in this case a dealer, to another party. So um, it's going to have basic information on it. It's going to have your information kind of like what you'd fill out on a 4473 and you buy a gun. It's going to have our information. It's going to have the gun's information. It's going to ask you a bunch of questions just like a 4473 does. Have you ever been convicted of a felony? You know, are you an alien illegally admitted to the United States? Are you a fugitive from justice? Those types of things. Uh, and you're going to sign it. Um, you're also, well, that's going to get into the trust thing. The uh, You may have to fill out a responsible person questionnaire, but that gets into the the trust buying side of it. Um, ultimately, if you wanted to come in and buy it for yourself, um, the Form 4 is really all we need to complete. Once we've drawn up that Form 4 for you, uh, you've got a couple extra steps. You're going to have to go to some kind of local law enforcement agency, have them do some fingerprints for you on FBI fingerprint cards, which, again, your dealer should supply to you. Um, and you're also going to have to run down to some place that does passport photos and get a couple of passport photos snapped um, because you're going to attach those to the Form 4. Um, after that, write them a check and drop them in the mail and be very, very, very patient. Yeah. The times sometimes are, are six to nine months. I've seen some come back a little bit sooner than that. We've seen some in like 90 days, uh, some over 10 months, you know, just, uh, it depends on your region, right? Uh, a little bit. Um, they're backed up pretty hard right now with the, the rule change in 41P, uh, which affects trust, which I know we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, right now, if you're if you're in Kansas, um, I'm telling you that you're looking. I, I know that the stamps that I'm getting in this week in the mail are from about 10 months. And most of the guys, as we get closer and closer to this one year anniversary date of 41P, where a lot of guys bought a lot of stuff, um, they're going to be looking at 12, 13 months. Um, but my time in this in this industry, in this last six years that I've been in the firearms industry, I've seen two and a half months. I've seen, you know, three or four months, you know, uh, and I've seen a year. So it uh, it fluctuates kind of based on what the what the market's doing, what the what the government's doing. It it, it fluctuates greatly. We tell our customers, say hey, we're not we're not responsible for for what ATF does to slow down your can. We wish we could get everybody's can to them in a week, but it just can't happen. So you mentioned in there the the NFA trust and you know, you could go the trust route or uh, the other route. Can you tell us about those two options? Right. So as an individual, uh, you'll do exactly what I said. You'll have a form four drawn up by your dealer. You'll get passport photos taken. You'll do fingerprint cards. You'll attach that stuff to the form. You'll mail it in. Uh, and 
once you get your your tax stamp back, which is the approved form four with the with a stamp on it that's proof that you paid that two hundred dollar federal excise tax, you pick up your suppressor at the store, you're good to go. The keyword there is you are good to go. So a limitation of the individual route is who can have that can. Uh, you know, if I if I have a suppressor and you want to take it to Missouri to do a class, um, that's a no. Uh, you don't have any rights to that suppressor. It's not registered to you. Uh, ATF hasn't said it's okay for you to have it. They haven't done a background check on you. Um, that's a felony. Uh, I can't just hand a suppressor off to somebody. You could shoot it if I was in reasonable proximity, um, which that's a gray area on what somebody from the ATF decides is reasonable proximity. If they happen to see you using that suppressor and see me not within 100 yards of it or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's that's the limitation. Even there's there's even a, a concern that if you don't lock it up inside your house and a, and a spouse has access to it. Yeah, there's you not know, really any case you, law that really defines what reasonable proximity is, and nobody wants to be that person. Exactly. There's there's no case law. There's a handful of NFA cases that have been through uh, the Supreme Court level, but there's yeah, it's 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 really really gray, and it's one of those things that you just you don't want to be in that circumstance. You don't want to be the the guy that gets to take the first ride through the federal court system on something that is very 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 subjective and ambiguously worded. Okay, and the trust route? So the trust route, you have a couple more hoops to jump through, but it's well worth it. About 95% of my customers will go the trust route. So the trust is treated like a corporation or other legal entities. So that's the ATF's wording, not mine. That's why it's it's fancy, fancy wording. Um, in a trust, you assign trustees. Trustees have all the powers of the trust. So kind of like being an employee at a corporation, you know, we've got an owner here at Thunderbird, but all of us employees can possess the firearms here. Trust works the same way. You have trustees. They all have the powers of the trust. So this requires a little bit of legal paperwork that you're going to have to draw, get drawn up. Um, but now you've solved the problem of multiple ownership. If you have a brother that likes to hunt with your suppressor or kids that are over the age of 21 and could legally possess it, you can make it to where all those people can legally have that NFA item just like you could. Uh, and that's the big advantage is that shared ownership of the item. There's also some, some easier protections for beneficiaries of the trust, so people that might in, inherit it down the road. So there's a little bit of estate planning to a trust as well. The downside is – this ATF 41P, which is a ruling that took effect last summer on July 13th. And what 41P says is every single trustee on that trust has to submit those passport photos and fingerprints. Um, so now where it was just you doing it as an individual, however many trustees you have, they've all got to submit that stuff. And they also submit a responsible person questionnaire. Basically, it's kind of just like the Form 4 uh, with all those questions that it asks, like a 4473. Uh, but it's for each person. And that's where their passport photos go and their fingerprint cards go with that. So it's a couple more hoops to jump through. But at the end of the day, it's a small price to pay for what you're getting as far as the protections and the shared ownership. We're going to take another little quick break and we're going to talk about 
the advantages and disadvantages, whether you can go the Form 4 route or the Form 1 route, because uh, it's possible for you to just go ahead, whatever rifle you have uh, right now, you can do a Form 1 on that thing and order a short barrel upper receiver complete or put another barrel on, whatever you want to do, and you could turn that gun that you already have into a short barrel rifle with the Form 1. And in some ways... That could be faster, especially if you've already got a truss going. So uh, I'm not sure of the current times right now on that, but it is a option. We'll be right back. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. All right, Brandon, so if I've got a Glock 17 right now in my hand, this is a, a weird example this is not the most common because I've been considering recently uh, picking up one of those uh, little pistol caliber carbine things that attach to your Glock 17 uh, just for the fun of it. And if I wanted to do that or if I wanted to take, you know, one of my primary weapon systems rifles and I wanted to make those a short barrel rifle, what do I do to do that? I've already got a trust, so that's easy for me. But what if I don't have a trust? So if you want to have an NFA item and you want to do it in a trust, um, the first thing to do is to check with your local dealers because they may have a mechanism for you to do a trust. If you know that they sell short barrel rifles, short barrel or, uh, or suppressors or something like that, check with them because they may have a mechanism for you to get a trust very, very easily. There's also the option to uh, have a trust done online. There's uh, several different services that do that. Um, some are better than others. Um, but some of the major suppressor companies, either manufacturers or dealers, have the option for you to just have a trust drawn up right there online. Um, the third option is to go uh, where you live. This is probably the most expensive option, and I don't normally recommend it to folks. Um, but if you have a lawyer that knows gun stuff, knows the NFA, um, it could be worthwhile if you need a more complicated trust. If you are looking, I want to buy NFA items, but I also have land or money or investments or other things that I want to put into a trust for my family, then a lawyer could be a good option too. But it's usually a lot easier to check with your local dealers first or utilize one of these these online you know, trusts, specifically if they're an NFA trust. I don't know that I'd go to I'm not a shameless plug for LegalZoom, but I don't know that I would go to LegalZoom for a gun trust uh, or, an, or an NFA trust because they're not they're not keyed into all that kind of stuff. Their their stuff's more generic. Okay. So I do the form one. Can you still e-file right now, or is that down again? No, it's it, so it's down because of uh because of 41P. And the requirements for everybody to submit passport photos and fingerprints, you can't electronically upload those. Um, so uh, you might be able to individually, but I don't know anybody that has any time. Well, no, because you still got to commit uh, submit passport photos and fingerprints that way too. So now there's no there's no electronic filing option. But so let's go back to your example that Glock 17 or that PWSAR that you want that you want a short barrel. Um, you could walk into a dealer and buy it. That's great, but you know it's not rocket surgery to uh put that glock 17 in one of those those subgun type kits out there um it's really really easy so that's why atf has the form one a form one is your application to make and register an nfa firearm and it allows you to submit all the information 
of, of the original gun. So in this case, your Glock 17 or your PWSAR, um, you know, make model serial number. Um, they want some other information. They're going to want to know barrel length and overall length. Um, but that stuff's kind of easy to figure and pay the tax, register it, wait the processing time. And then once you have a tax stamp in your hand, you can put that thing together. So you can take that, that Glock 17 and put it in that subgun kit, or you can, uh, take a short barrel, uh, you just buy a barrel and put it in your PWS, probably easier to just buy a complete upper on an AR. That's kind of the, the way a lot of guys go about it. If I do that with a trust, do I need to have it engraved with my trust name or anything? You, in fact, do. As a manufacturer of a firearm, whether you are um, a licensed manufacturer or a guy building it in his uh, in his basement or his garage or something like that, when it comes to building an NFA firearm, you have to engrave it. So if you were an individual, you'd be engraving it with your name and the city and state that it was made in. For a trust, it would be the trust name and the city and state that it's made in. Um, there was some confusion about this, and ATF's issued a, a ruling here within the last couple of months that said, you know, hey, when do I have to engrave it? Do I have to engrave it when I build it? Do I have to engrave it when I sell it? Do I have to engrave it at all if it's a trust? And the answer is, you have to engrave it when you build it, no matter if it's uh, if you do it or if you uh, if you if you build it as an individual or a trust, you have to engrave it when you build it. Okay, and by when you build it, when you have that stamp back, when you're legally allowed to build it, right. Uh, so to, to, to clarify or summarize, uh, when you're building your own or you're putting together your own, I mean, we building is such a the wrong word, but according to the ATF, it, it is. Uh, I mean, really, it might just be snapping that other upper on your rifle um, when you have that tax stamp back. You might have that upper sitting all by itself in the closet or in the safe, and then when you get that tax stamp back, you can put that together and your gun needs to be engraved. Um, the Form 4 is when you're buying the already the manufacturer some other manufacturer already produced that firearm uh that falls under the nfa and that's when you or the your dealer will help you do that uh atf form four so i i've seen some stuff recently brandon i don't, I don't know what's going on because i haven't I haven't really been in touch with it or looked into it in the last probably four or five months but there's a couple of companies i think three altogether that are working on some kiosk systems that can be placed in a dealer, in a range, in a store, and to make it a lot easier for people to buy ATF or NFA items. Have you seen any of those develop a little bit further since SHOT Show? Or do you know what I'm talking about? Yep, I've, I've, I've seen one. Um, there's even one here at another dealer in town. Um, the It's cool technology, but ATF hasn't signed off on their on the ability to do fingerprints yet. Right. I kept seeing that. There's a problem with the fingerprinting thing that, you know, it may or may not be okay what's going on there. So uh, that's kind of scary right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a great idea um, to, you know, and, and electronic forms when the ATF first came up with that. I mean, that was a great idea. You know, let let us do the data entry for you, build a good website, you know, which unfortunately government's not good at, but... You know, let us do the data entry for you, and you guys just focus on processing the stuff. Um, and that was great. I mean, you know, wait times got cut in half when e-file came out. So I'm all for the kiosk thing if they uh, if they can get around the hurdles to to satisfy the ATF. But there might be there might be some other relief on the horizon. And I, I didn't know if you wanted to touch on that, but um, at Go least ahead. when it comes to silent, at least when it comes to silencers, you know, the the Hearing Protection Act. That's kind of the 
that's the thing that everybody's talking about in the store right now. Um, it was a thing a lot of people were talking about at SHOT Show this year. There's companies that have never, ever released firearms before or built firearms before that all of a sudden have suppressors. Um, because they think this thing's going to take off and everybody's going to own suppressors and everything's going to be cool. And, um, my reaction to that is, man, I hope so. So I'm talking about the hearing protection act. So, you know, you've, you've, you've heard of it. I hope so too. And I, I've got some pretty high hopes for it. I, I what I'm hearing is it's, it, it's probably going to, I'm hearing some pretty good stuff about it from some people that are kind of on the front lines of the, the lobbying effort. And I, I like it a lot, but I do tell people that, if you want a suppressor and you're waiting on the Hearing Protection Act, you're going to have to wait for that act to be passed, enacted, and everything else. And then every suppressor is going to be gone. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. wait even longer. So if you really, really want a suppressor, it, it don't wait. You know, it don't, 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 just go ahead and start it. You know, and like, well, I don't want to wait nine months. Well, you're going to wait more than nine months right now. If this thing got passed tomorrow, which is not going to happen, you're still going to be waiting. You know, there's just there's the, the manufacturers, the demand, they're going to ramp up, you know, but go ahead and get that suppressor or, or whatever it is you want. Um, and that, cause you're, you're not, you're still going to have the wait times. You're not going to have the same reasons, but it's going to be there. Yep. That's exactly what we're, we're telling people in the store right now. I mean, the, that's the big thing is, Oh, I don't need to buy a can right now over the counter and i was like well let's talk about that for a minute and i've had this conversation with guys from silencer co and things like that and you know i uh i tell them it's uh you know if you wait it's number one it's going to take about a month probably before we're able to sell them over the counter because atf's going to have to issue guidance on how they get handled are they going to be treated like long guns and anybody can buy them as long as it's legal in their state are they going to be treated like handguns so only buy a resident um while that's going on, too, you're going to see a price increase because right now you pay that $200 tax on those items. There's going to be a federal excise tax on firearms just like they put on everything else, uh, on handguns and rifles and shotguns. And so you're going to see a little bit of an uptick boom right there. Uh, and then, of course, demand. Demand is going to outpace supply very, very quickly at first. Um, there's no question that it's going to be hard to get your hands on a suppressor if you wait. So I have a lot of guys, um, especially, you know, even from back in December, because that's when we do our big, our big suppressor promotion and sale. And, you know, I have guys that have purchased and not even filed the paperwork yet, or going to file the paperwork kind of a little down the road, just to see if it would get passed. I think a lot of them thought this might be a first hundred days thing for this administration, when uh, this administration has a lot more to tackle um, than, than, you know, taking suppressors off the NFA. But, um, by now, you know, as the law is written right now, you'd be getting your, your 200 bucks back as a tax credit anyway. So, uh, I don't know why you would hesitate. You know, if you, if it's something you think that you want, worst case scenario, it doesn't pass or it doesn't pass quickly. And maybe they pass it two years from now, but Hey, you got your suppressor. Um, you've got it, you know, because it, it only took, you know, nine to 12 months for the paperwork to come back. Uh, and if you've got a good dealer, um, that has a that has a range indoor or outdoor. Maybe they'll let you use it when you come to the range. I know we let our customers use it once their paperwork's submitted. Um, we we happily call those conjugal visits while they're in suppressor jail. So uh, a lot of guys tend to like that. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing. I'm certainly a big proponent of it. I hope that it passed. I think it's common sense. Um, but when it comes down to to buying, 
Um, hoping that it's going to pass sooner rather than later should not be limiting people from buying suppressors. If they're if you're if you're for it and you know it's something you want, whether it's the hearing protection or the the recoil mitigation, you know whatever whatever your reason is, um, get on it, buy it. Don't wait. Don't just believe me because I sell suppressors. It's uh, it's one of those things where um, everybody should have these things anyway. I mean, it's a it's a huge benefit. Won't be able to buy one from you right now anyway, right? So it's yeah, yeah. You guys can't buy them from me, so yeah, it's not a commercial. Um, You know, look at the look at the benefits. You know, hell, the Marine Corps has been trying for a couple years now to try to put one on every single infantry weapon. You know, it's uh, it's great. and not have not have to have everybody plug their ears you know uh there's there's too many benefits to to owning one yeah it's just good etiquette to make your gun quieter don't be that person in the class with a big obnoxious break on your gun put a suppressor on it be a nice guy and it gives you a little better workout because they add a little bit of weight cool brandon uh i really appreciate it man that's uh, a lot of information for the guys to, to digest i got one more question for you uh this is something that i hear all the time um I don't want to do an NFA item because there's going to be somebody going to come to my house and want to see all my guns. And you allow the federal government to do whatever they want to do whenever you get an NFA item. And it's a bit of a stretch. Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, um, that is probably one of the biggest misconceptions that we hear here in the store is that, hey, I heard if once you get an NFA item, the ATF can come and inspect it anytime they want to come see it. Uh, and it's 100% false. It's uh, You don't give up any of your rights uh, to unreasonable search and seizure uh, just because you own that item. Uh, if ATF knocks on your door and says, hey, we you heard you had an NFA item and uh, we want to we wanna see it and inspect where it's kept and all that kind of stuff, uh, you should politely decline or ask to see a warrant and then ask yourself why they're, why they're there anyway and trying to use that pretense to get at you because that's really, really not good. Yeah, it's it's funny how that that comes out. Uh, the amount of of NFA items processed, I can't remember off the top of my head the exact number for the past year or past few years. You probably do, um, but man, it's there's a a crazy high number. And if they started trying to go inspect everybody's house, there's not enough ATF agents to do that. There's not enough ATF agents to go actually do audits on most gun stores on a, on a reasonably regular basis, much less come to your house and look where you're keeping your 22 suppressor. No, exactly. There's something like 770,000 registered NFA items in the hands of, of private owners. Um, and that's a lot. I mean, and, and like you said, gun stores, most stores are on like two to five year cycles because there's just not enough personnel at ATF to, you know, check on them every time. So if they're not checking the licensed dealers, who's going to have time to check individuals. But even if they, even if that were the case, it's, it's not, there's no, there's no, uh, requirement that you let the ATF into your house to see your NFA stuff. If they want to come, they, uh, they need to have a warrant like anybody else would. There's also another common misconception that I, I hear a lot is, uh, and a lot of law enforcement officers don't know this. Like, uh, you got to make sure you have all this stuff with you all the time because if any officer looks at this and you don't have it, then you're going to jail. And really, the reality is, most of those officers have no idea what they're looking at. You're again. You're absolutely correct. So, uh, in my in my stint in law enforcement, uh, nobody ever showed me a form four. Nobody even would. We never even talked about silencers or short barreled rifles or things like that. You'd see the occasional sawed off shotgun, but most of the time they were illegal anyway, and you kind of knew about that. But 
but you never you never really got trained on this stuff unless unless you have a law enforcement officer that happens to be a gun guy so now personally as a dealer we recommend that if you're going to have it out especially if you're hunting and things like that and different states may require this um have a copy of the form four with you don't take the original just have a copy um that's just that's just good cya right there um but are you required to carry those things no the only person that should ever really ask to see any of that would be people from the atf um but again follow check your local laws especially in the states that allow hunting they may want you to carry uh a copy of your your form four or form one um for a suppressor uh or short-barreled rifle for that matter uh if you're hunting with a short-barreled rifle which some guys do around here because you never take a lot of long shots in kansas apparently or so i'm told uh so yeah best best thing to do is carry a copy but are you required to no so guys go buy an nfa item go check them out it is not this uh crazy difficult thing to get it's really not much trouble if you do go into a dealer and they're talking to you about oh man it's so difficult it's so tough to do that walk out of there and go to the dealer down the street because that first dealer you went to doesn't know what they're doing and i wouldn't trust them to do my paperwork and take care of all those things the right way anyway if they don't have the knowledge already but you know go go visit a few dealers that uh have their sot um and a lot of folks refer to uh as a person getting the class three license which is not really accurate you know it's uh it's not the uh it's not really what it is um but go find a good dealer that uh that, that deals in nfa items and go ask some questions and educate yourself and if you have any questions uh about it um, you can hit me up on Facebook, uh, and if I don't have the answer for it, I will, uh, or Facebook or email, uh, gunfighter, Daniel Shaw, 0369 at gmail.com. Um, and if I don't have the answer to the question, cause, uh, you know, I know a little bit about this, uh, I'll, I'll hit up Brandon or somebody else and, and get the right information to you. And, uh, and not just, you know, my opinion or an idea of what I think it should be, but actually what is required by, uh, the ATF. Cool. Brandon, thanks for hanging out, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate it, too. Anytime, man. Uh, I'll see you in about two weeks down there at Thunderbird Farms Academy. I'm teaching two days of handgun and two days of rifle. If you're in the area or you want to travel to the area, I think we've got a a couple of seats left in the rifle class and maybe three or four in the handgun class. So you can check it out at shawstrategies.com and uh, at the calendar there and get signed up. Or you can uh, call up Thunderbird and get signed up either way. Or walk in the store if you're local. Brandon, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, anytime, Daniel. Appreciate you having me on. Gunfighter Cast out. Hey guys, Daniel here. Thank you so much for being a part of Gunfighter Cast and a listener of the show. If you feel that you get something out of Gunfighter Cast and you enjoy the show, why not pledge a dollar or two dollars through our Patreon site? Basically, you pledge one or two bucks an episode. When uh, some content is released at the end of that month, your card will get charged. Pretty simple and easy way to support the show when you're getting content. If not, all good. You're going to keep getting them for free. Thanks again for listening and being a part of the show. Gunfighter Cast out. Thank <laughs> you.